Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. for you in a moment from the Gospel of Mark, just as a review, if you will. Earlier we heard that John was uh, baptizing and telling people, get ready for God to come, get ready for Jesus, uh, repent in preparation. And then uh, Jesus came and he said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and get ready. And uh, there's this idea that God is going to do something, God is moving. God is, uh, is, is, is going to act in ways that uh, you are going to be surprised for. So you want to prepare your hearts. You want to prepare your lives for what this is going to be. You want to get ready. Let me uh, read for you now from Mark chapter 1 and uh, verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. They told him about her at once. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. And he answered, Well, let us go on to the neighboring town, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that's what I came out to do. And he went out through Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, begging him. Kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely. And to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. This is a a whole passage uh, indicating where Jesus is at when he is healing and when he is working in the lives of people. When something big happens, those places become kind of etched in our memory. Mark remembers this taking place first in Simon's home. Do you remember where you were at various important moments in your life? Uh, I I still uh, remember taking my kids one time when we were out uh, visiting uh, their uh, their grandmother. And, And I said, hey, let me show you a place that uh, Jen had shown me and, and took me for a walk and went to a state park. And then as we're walking, I said, oh, in this place here, this ledge overlooking the river, this is where I proposed. Like that place 
etched in my mind, and it was so nice to be able to share that with my kids and say, this place has a memory, right? Sometimes our places have that. When Jen and I were dating, I, I, I showed her a place where I went, a small town where I lived uh, when I went to uh, a high school in, in Watertown, Wisconsin. And I said, there is this place I have to show you, brings back great memories. It's called Mullins. It's an ice cream shop. What they do in the wintertime during this season is on Tuesdays. They have this special deal, or at least they did when I was a kid. They had a special deal. You could get a single scoop ice cream cone for the price of the temperature. <laughs> so if it's 20 degrees outside, you could get a 20-cent cone. It was wonderful. So yeah, it could, be, it could be below freezing, and they would have customers so they could get a free ice cream cone. And so like this is, it was just, it was just this wonderful little place, still my favorite ice cream place. But I had memories with that, even though I only lived in the town for two years. I said, Jen, you got to see this. So we like went on an extra hour drive just for ice cream that day. Uh, when, I, when I went on a hike on Katahdin with Eric one time, I said, this is amazing. i got to take my dad. Like this, they, they became moments, right, where big things happen. They are where were you when kind of moments that something big happened, and you're like, I want to share this place. And every time you drive by, now there's a moment. Sometimes I'm driving down the road with someone who has been in construction, and they'll say something to me like, oh, I built that. Or, you know, the way this road is here or that home or whatever. They'll say, I spent months working on that. They are moments that kind of create memories and joys for us. And so Mark remembers this time in Simon's mother's home. This is a specific moment when he recognizes for all that Jesus has said and done up to this point, just calling the disciples, call me, the kingdom of God is at hand, the dove lighting on him, and them wondering, okay, what is God going to do? This becomes a moment where they see God starting to break in through the life and work of Jesus Christ. And it begins with Simon's sick mom who has a fever. Now at that time, the way you would recognize if someone had a fever, because there aren't thermometers now, is you could tell Without a doubt, you put hand to head, it would be like, oh, that is hot. They'd be streaming sweat. They would be laying down out cold. It isn't just, okay, I don't feel good and I need to lay down. This is, we would take them to a hospital if they had a fever like this. And so she is out and Jesus goes to her and is able to remove the fever and heal her and she is able to carry on her day as if she never had the fever. It's an amazing moment. It's a surprising moment. It's a moment where you say, well, this isn't normal. This isn't how things happen. Uh, what, do you, what, what is going on here? And this place, that home then becomes a hub for people to bring the sick now, whether they intended it for it to be a base of operations for Jesus to do his ministry or not, it becomes one because people start to hear, oh, he healed someone who was sick. We were, they were worried about her. They were concerned for her. And Jesus healed her. Let's see who else he can heal. And they bring everyone they can to him. And all into the night, the sick and the demon-possessed are brought. And he is working late into the hours. And it says that early the next morning, while it's still dark, so Jesus is probably operating on just a few hours of sleep here. He realizes the day is about to start again, and I'm going to need, I'm going to, need to recharge. I'm going to need some energy. I'm going to need to be tied into the God who has chosen to work through me. 
And so that next morning, he wakes up early and he's praying. And everyone starts searching for him. It's like, like they haven't, like there's still a whole lot of demand for his attention. They, they, they still absolutely are bringing people to this home to reach him. So they start looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? And finally they find him alone and, and praying. And they say, hey, everyone's searching for you. And Jesus says, okay, okay, well, let's go meet them. Let's go share with them the good news I've been talking about all along. And, and it makes me wonder, what is this good news? What is this message Jesus wants to say? When we talk about the good news of the gospel, when we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, usually what do we think of? We think of the death and resurrection. Maybe we think of heavenly promises. Maybe we're, we're thinking about framing the good news in, in, in terms of the forgiveness of sins, that if we repent and we ask for forgiveness, God will forgive us and all guilt and will be removed and all, all, all accountability for it is forgiven. That's all a part of the good news. I want us to remember that at this point in time in the Gospel of Mark, one, he hasn't died or been resurrected yet, so that isn't the message. And the other is that the call to repent is because of the good news. John said, Jesus is coming, so repent. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand, and so repent. So, so the repentance is the result and not the meat of the message. It's, it's the call and response to the message. And so if Jesus hasn't been resurrected yet, the question becomes now, what's the good news? What's the message that Jesus has for the people? And I think it is found, I think it is said for us in this, in this one verse, uh, Mark 1, verse 14. After John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. And then the call and response, repent and believe in the good news. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has drawn near. What he's saying is, for all of our striving, God, what's your will in my life? God, what, what do you want for me? God, how do I please you? God, God, how do I move forward in this life? For all of our strivings after God, the good news is, God is drawing near to us. That God is breaking into our world, into our mess, into our situations, and that that is where the grace of God is pleased to be. And all of this is found in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ. And we, we encountered that a little bit last week when I talked about how the very authority of God is based on who He is and His existence as the Son of God. That for all of our seeking after God, what we find is the good news is that the gap between us and God isn't something we have to try to somehow find a way to surmount. It is a gap that God has already bridged, that God is seeking after us. When I was, when I was uh, in college and starting to train to be a pastor, the, the kind of going ministry model buzzword, if you will, uh, was to be seeker-sensitive. That was a word that was said a whole lot about 20 years ago, that we wanted churches that were seeker-sensitive. And so that the model that was often construct your 
your services and your church in such a way that whoever might seek after God and might come into your church would feel comfortable and feel like they could seek after God. And there's some, there's some value and truth, of course, to that and remembering that that is, you know, we have to be able to communicate the gospel message just as Jesus did throughout Galilee, that we can do it throughout our community. There was value in that message. And the best, but the best critique I ever heard of that, and this was from somebody who was very good at reaching out, and someone who was very good at relating the church to his community and very engaged, but the best critique I heard of it is, for all this talk about creating something that's seeker-sensitive, it seems to me that in the dialogue about talking about how we do this, we've forgotten that in the relationship between us and God, the seeker is God. That God is absolutely in love with his world and God is trying to meet us exactly where we are. That we don't have to try to get things right to try to figure out how we can get closer to God. God's already made that move. And so we've seen that a lot of, in a lot of ways. Some of us growing up remember ways in which we were expected to look and behave to come to church. We remember that. And it was a ways in which we had to measure up before we could come to God. There's still hints of that when I talk to people outside the church, like, oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not where I need to be. But the truth is, God has said, wherever you are and how you are now, I'm interested in you. I'm seeking after you where you are. And, and so in my early ministry, and the, the, the refrain I heard from pastors who were trying to create secret centers of churches is that it usually played out in like a kind of weird like worship war kind of thing. We're trying to change things to reach the unknown, unidentified yet person who might come in. And one of the things I have to tell you that I love about this church <laughs> is when we... When we uh, have an idea about worship, when someone says, hey, I have a song I really like that I've heard on the radio, whether that's Alex saying something or or someone else say, hey, there's this new song I've heard and I'd love for us to play it. And they bring it to, uh, uh, they bring it to Diane or myself or Jen or someone. It's always framed in, God has been speaking to me through this song. God has been speaking to me this song. Can we, can we do this song? And then we do it. And you know what you guys do? You learn it. And you, and you like warm up to it. And it's wonderful and it's glorious. And like there's no language at all in the years I've been here of, well, we're doing a new song because, you know, we have to have a certain number of new songs because we have to do it in order to reach out to whoever it is that might, we might reach out to. It's all framed in. God has been speaking to me through this song and I'd really like to worship with this. And I wonder if other people would find meaning in this too. And that's the point of the entire message of what's going on in Mark right now is, that the kingdom of God has drawn near. And the kingdom of God is found in Jesus Christ. And our life is about recognizing where and how God draws near. And the purpose of what we do in worship is about recognizing, is God going to draw near in this time in this, and, and in this space? And we learn that this is the case when Jesus has the very authority of God in His speech and in His actions. And so all of these healing stories are stories about Jesus setting the world to rights. I'm borrowing that phrase from um, N.T. Wright, who we read uh, about a year ago. this This is Jesus saying God wants to make right everything in this world. Everything that doesn't belong gets removed in this passage. Illness 
The signs of, of our mortality, the, the curse of the fall, those things are getting removed. They're gone. The demons of this world, all the powers that work against us in this world, all the things that just seem to go wrong, that we can't get a hand on, that we can't point to, but we recognize there's something at work that is gone. And don't we long for this time in our Christian walk? A time when all that is wrong is removed and taken care of. A time when we don't fight wars. A time when doctors don't call with bad news. A time when people aren't suffering addictions or pain. A time when the world is ordered the way that we would hope and expect it to be ordered under God. There's a yearning and a crying out for that that happens. And Mark is telling us that that time is present wherever Jesus is. That time is fulfilled precisely where the kingdom of God has drawn near. And we see it happening in Simon's home. And we see it happening throughout Galilee as Jesus takes that message abroad. The common thread is, that this is where Jesus is. God's power is breaking in and starting to set the world right. And so this selection of Scripture ends with a story of a leper. Somebody with some kind of skin disease. And you could find in Leviticus chapter 13, go home tonight, read that if you want some very interesting reading about uh, the way in which they understood skin diseases and purity and the idea was any disease that would create a break in the skin, any, anything at all that would create, create some kind of oozing or something of the skin is something that was to be addressed. And the way that they would address it is recognize there is something wrong and we don't want something wrong to spread to everybody else. So we're going to keep the something wrong away. <laughs> And so that everything that's right can stay together and everything that's wrong can be out. And if for whatever reason, whoever has something wrong with them needs to interact with people who don't have something wrong with them. Uh, verse 45 says they got to cry out, unclean, unclean, keep your distance. I'm just going from point A to point B and I don't want to get you sick. This is the situation surrounding those with a skin disease at this time. A worry that... Uh, what if what has made them ill makes everyone else ill? And so uh, he, he comes to Jesus, begs him, asks him, have pity, I need help, I need relief. Not only from the pain of this disease, but the pain of everything else that has been imposed while I have this disease. Jesus, please help. And Jesus does. He's moved with pity. He's moved with concern. Some translations suggest he might have been angry. If he's angry at anything, I think it is the situation with which this person is in. Jesus reaches out and heals this person. And he tells him, now when you leave, don't tell anybody yet. It's not time. Be quiet. Now, he, he had told the demons that earlier in verse 25 from last week. And even verse 34 today, he told, didn't give the demons permission to speak. In other words, it is not time yet for, ever, for the whole world to know yet what is happening. That his, his healing and his setting the world's right is going to be tied indeed to his death and resurrection. And that time hasn't come yet. And we don't understand that yet. So, so don't say anything yet. But yet, um, this person 
is not very good at listening to Jesus, it turns out. Because <laughs> he says, go, go to the priest, go through the purification rites, and don't tell anybody. And I, I presume he doesn't go to the priest. Mark doesn't say he does. Uh, between verse 44 and 45, he says, show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing of what Moses commanded. Again, you'll find that detail in Leviticus chapter 13 of how to become clean. And there's like a seven-day ritual and, a, and process. And it says, verse 40, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely. So one of two things that happened. Either, either Mark, the writer, presses the fast-forward button between verses 44 and 45 and doesn't go through all the purification rites he goes through. Or the guy just blatantly ignores Jesus and says, I'm too excited about what's happened and I have to tell everybody. And, and I find myself thinking how odd it is that Mark doesn't tell us exactly what happened, whether he was rebellious to what Jesus said or whether he listened. But it does situate, resituate, if you will, where we find that his purity comes from. For all the rules of Leviticus 13 are about maintaining a kind of purity in the community and a purity before God. A way of marking off that which is clean and that which is able to go to the temple, that which is able to approach God. It is, it is a way in which they're trying to say, this, these are the kind of actions we need to have, the purity kind of signs and symbols we need to have to say we are ready to approach God. And what we find in the Gospel of Mark here is that purity is redefined what it means to be whole, what it means to be well, what it means to be worthy, what it means to be able to seek after God is not situated in Jerusalem. It's not situated in the priesthood. It's not situated in the various rules of which uh, church and leaders can make to try to say this is what you have to do to be worthy of following after God. It is just found in the person of Jesus Christ to just follow and trust that in Him is the kingdom of God and the love of God and God's decision to say, you matter to me. This is what is so important here that we might come to find, to expect to find the glory of God not in anything else but in Jesus Christ that purity is found in attaching ourselves to Jesus, that wholeness and wellness and, and like who we could be is found attached to Jesus. Purity and its importance to drawing near to God, to being in His presence, seems in the Old Testament to be tied to what we need to do to cleanse and make ourselves well. But purity is wherever Jesus is pleased to go. Because there God says, no, you matter and you're good enough. Don't ever forget the place where Jesus has met you. That profound place where you remember, oh, something important happened then. Something important happened there. Where you've had profound moments of feeling God's Spirit speak to you that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you have a place in the family of God, that you are made right, that you are made family, that you are made new. And if you have not experienced that in your life, pray for that. Seek it. And pray for it with all the preparation that Jesus said to the people to, to, to do in order to expect it. 
to repent and say, okay, God, I know where, where things have fallen short before, but I'm ready for whatever you're going to do and how you want to enter into my life because you have made clear that that is what you want. To repent is to re- prepare to receive with hope and expectation that indeed God's promise is true, that you matter to Him. There's a, a story of a theologian sharing with me. Um, I was sharing with a, with a small group of us. She said, um, I remember when I was in college, and um, I, I, I wasn't a Christian at the time. I was, I was studying, but I, I wasn't a Christian. And, and someone came knocking on my door, and they're one of those religious solicitors. Someone who knocks on the door and says, do you know Jesus? And uh, they knocked on her door and, and they said, do you know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? If you pray the prayer, you'll, you'll be okay. And she I just want to get rid of these people. What's the fastest way to get rid of them? And she said, the fastest way to get rid of them is just to say the prayer. And so she said the prayer with them and then she said goodbye and they left. And she said, and I closed that door and I had a realization Something happened when I said that prayer. And I felt a weird kind of peace that there was something more to that prayer than just lip service. And I started to search, and I started to yearn, and I started to say, okay, God, if, it, if something's happening here, you need to help me figure this out. And she started to search, and she started to study, and she started to figure out. And, and, um, and, and she recognized that sometimes even in an awkward moment like that, she realized God entered and moved. She wasn't looking, she wasn't seeking, but what she found was God was looking for her and meeting her precisely where she was with all her doubts, with even a moment of lip service of saying, you know, I just want want to move on and get rid of the people who are in my way. But yet God said, you know, I can use that (laughs) and changed her life. And over time, she started to realize there's a God who loves her precisely because how he made her as she is, and she can respond to that. Remember where you were in moments where God has spoken to you, moments that are worth revisiting and remembering. Remember that the kingdom of God is pleased to draw near, to meet with us where we are, to say, The kingdom of God is not about, are you good enough? The kingdom of God is about God saying, you are, and I want to be with you. Let us be surprised at where the Spirit of God is moving and how we might encounter the God who is still meeting us. And may we open ourselves up to receive what God is going to do with all the preparation that Jesus and John told us to do, to repent and say, okay, God, here I am. Forgive, move on, give me the power to live, to be who you want me to be. And let's give God praise for that. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who's been so ever available. Your son, Jesus Christ, who has shown us that holiness, that righteousness, is not ultimately found in how good we are, but in how gracious you are. And so, Lord, I thank you for meeting us in times of need, in times of sorrow, in times where, Lord, we have cried out because just like the people in Jesus' story, we have found ourselves in the midst of situations where 
the signs of sin and our mortality have attacked us, where it seems like there is things going on that we just don't understand, and Lord, we just feel like that we are, we are battling and we are warring and we are trying to figure out what is going on. And Heavenly Father, we thank You that uh, we can turn to You and to Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we are hoping and praying that You would bring relief, comfort, hope, and the assurance of a God who has never left us nor forsaken us. Continue to be with us and help us to see that You are the God who still wants to put the world to rights and that Your Son, Jesus Christ, is our hope and the one we turn to, the one we trust, upon whose return, indeed, all will be made right. Thank you again for your hope and your word from Scripture. Amen. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. 